The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. a very large empty room that just has a single chair in it it's the biggest little show this side of the alpha quadrant the flagship of the trek geeks podcast network greetings to you star trek fans from all over the galaxy and welcome to the trek geeks podcast i'm your co-host bill smith and here i sit in this room there's only one chair so there's not enough room for my co-host and that's probably a good thing because maybe it means he'll get the hint he's the largely unseatable dan davidson and dan um Good to have you here, buddy. We're back. And um, slight programming change based on the availability of a, of a guest that we didn't anticipate being able to talk to. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here, buddy. Welcome back. Um, Going to have a fun discussion. And, and the, yeah, a seat, oh, just one seat. So basically you're telling me I have a large behind and can't sit down. Is that what, was that, was that what I was taking from that? No, I'm telling you to get out. Oh, all right. Well, okay. That's even better. So, yeah, it's great to be here. And, and like you said, um, we were planning on talking uh, about Enterprise 20 and a very specific episode of Enterprise Season 1. But you know what? When the powers that be say that we can have a guest on the show and talk all about some cool Star Trek things going on, well, you know what? Sometimes we just have to push things off. So that's what we've done uh, for this week. We have the opportunity to speak with a wonderful, funny, and Star Trek genius uh, Brian Volk Weiss who is of course the director of of the newest series The Center Seat available on the History Channel we had a great discussion with him we're going to bring it to our listeners today and uh, it's going to be worth it and it's also going to be worth the wait for Oasis I'm just going to put that out there right now uh, it actually is. Uh, for younger listeners, um, parents, you may want earmuffs for this particular episode. Um, this episode is tagged as explicit, so there is no bleeping. And there is some more colorful metaphors as we get into the conversation with Brian. It's a very fun time, and we hope you'll enjoy it. But just please be aware that, uh, parents, you may want to screen this before you let kids in the house listen to it. Um, I think that's a fair statement because Dan actually has a potty mouth. I, I do. You know, it's very hard not to have that type of potty mouth on a week-to-week basis, especially when I'm looking at your face on camera. But uh, 
Yeah, luckily, uh, luckily for me, it wasn't all me this week. So, but that's good. It's still a fun episode. You know, that, if we if we had taken out the bleep button, we probably would have broken it with all the bleeping that we do in this episode. So, <laughs> that's entirely true. You do do head, and we'll get to that conversation right after these messages from our amazing sponsors. We are proud to have Fansets here as the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, Dan. Yeah, we absolutely are, are so thrilled about that, man. We have a lot to thank them for. Of course, they had a mega sale over the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and we hope that you all took advantage of their great sales. But you know what? Uh, I don't want to talk about the past. I want to look towards the future, buddy. Um, I see people winning Wrath of Khan pins and magnetic badges as early as next week. That's right, because if you're going to be in Walt Disney World from December 3rd to December 7th, keep your eyes on Twitter because I'll be giving away a Delta every day from one of the four Disney theme parks and from Disney Springs. I'm going to announce on Twitter what park I'm at every morning, and the first person to track me down and tell me that they love fan sets and that they love Trek Geeks are going to win one of these Wrath of Khan Deltas. And I got to say... I think it's the best pin that Fancess has ever released to date. So you're going to want to go to maybe fly down to Disney just for this event. Now, I'm going to go crazy, Ivan, here and go off script for a second. <laughs> I'm assuming that this is uh, you can win once yes. out of the whole time you're there. So if you win yes. on day one, you can't win again on day three. Absolutely. I will be taking a selfie with the winner and posting it to Twitter so that everybody will know that that person won once. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. Well, at least for those people who are going to be in Disney, unlike me. (laughs) But hey, for everyone else, check out the latest pins available right now at fansets.com. It's the USS Titans, Deanna Troy, and Captain Will Riker from Star Trek Lower Decks. So get yourself on over to fansets.com, put animated Troy and Riker and a whole bunch of other pins and accessories in your card, or maybe even a gift card. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special discount code word, Center Seat. That's C-E-N-T-E-R-S-E-A-T in all caps with no spaces for an exclusive holiday season special 15% off your entire order. That's right. It's the holiday season and Fansets is giving you a gift of an additional 5% discount, but you better hurry. This offer will be good until December 15th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30 on fansets.com, you're automatically going to get free shipping in the United States. Uh, Red alarm. Red alarm, Bill. I have a special incoming subspace communication from our friends at at Fansets. I got it right here in my hot little hand which doesn't make sense that it's subspace communication and I'm holding it. It doesn't, but it seems that they have provided you and I with a set of these new Lower Decks Troy and Riker pins, and we're going to give away this set to one lucky listener. So folks, between now and December 14th, 2021, tag us on Twitter with the hashtag TroyRikerLD for your chance to win these two new pins. That's T-R-O-I-R-I-K-E-R-L-D. With that hashtag, of course, in the front, for your chance to win pants. We're going to pick someone randomly uh, on the 15th, so that's why you only have until the 14th. And let's stress that this giveaway is open to the entire world. You took the words right out of my mouth, my friend. (laughs) The entire planet is eligible. We'll ship it. If you're in Antarctica and you have a mailbox, you'll get it. That's right. So uh, be sure to use that hashtag and get in the contest. Absolutely. Fansets, our pins have character. 
And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, friends, if you haven't pre-ordered the new Silver Tribble from Science Division, first of all, why? And second, you better hurry because time is running out. Indeed. I mean, these Silver Tribbles come in two sizes, regular and, well, giant. And the giant Tribbles are a whopping 14 inches across. Well, both of these Tribbles are app-enabled, of course, but you don't need the app to use them and interact. Each of the Silver Tribbles will come with an official certificate of adoption, but like Dan said, you better act quick. Yeah, pre-orders are filling up really fast, and you want to be sure to get yours today. So head on over to ScienceDIV.com right now to get one of the new Silver Tribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved Shop Accessories section, where you can get all kinds of Science Division swag, like t-shirts, mugs, or even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. I think I'm going to leave the pause in there just so people wonder what the hell's going on. They're going to say, did my player stop? What's going on? (laughs) That was good. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused, and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. So today's guest here on Trek Geeks is pretty special. Anyone who has ever heard of amazing documentary shows like The Toys That Made Us or The Movies That Made Us or even The Holiday Movies That Made Us on Netflix or one of my favorites, Behind the Attraction on Disney Plus, will know this gentleman's work. He's an accomplished award-winning director and producer. And for us Star Trek fans, his latest project is a must-see. He's the director and executive producer of the new series, The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek, which debuted on the History Channel on November 5th. The first four episodes will be available on the History Channel, and the last six episodes will be available on their subscription streaming service, The History Vault. The 10 episodes are narrated by Gates McFadden, with each episode focusing on a chapter of Star Trek from TOS, the animated series TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and the TOS and Next Gen films. His name is Brian Volk Weiss, and we are thrilled to welcome him here to the Trek Geeks podcast. Brian, welcome aboard. The show is phenomenal, buddy. I uh, thank you. That's that's a great intro. I'm uh, I'm very humbled. I, I, I know it's all true, but God, it doesn't <laughs> sound true to me at all. So it's uh it's very surreal hearing all that. So you're very kind. Thank you. Thank we assure you. you the rest of the conversation goes right downhill from here. <laughs> I, I'm ready. I, I could take it. <laughs> well, Brian, first things first, we asked this question of all our guests who've been on the the podcast during this weirdest of times in human history. How are you? How are those close to you? Are you all safe and healthy? We we have all been very blessed. Uh, there's one of two things that have happened. Either one, none of us got COVID, my family, or two, uh, we were in a great place to be in December of 2019, uh, Taiwan. Oh. Uh, and uh, we all had COVID in January of 2020 before anybody knew what COVID was. Oh, so wow. either way, we're fine. 
but and we've been very blessed and we've 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 we have made it through so far. But um, yeah, either we all had it or we not, none of us had it. That's pretty interesting. I like the way you put that. And it's good. And I'm, and I'm glad that you're doing well, because it means that you get to, to give us amazing stuff like you're doing right now with the center seat. I got to say, I've watched the first two episodes. I actually watched episode two today. And my first question is going to be based on what we've seen so far in just these first two episodes. There is a lot of stuff going on in these two episodes, Brian. You've got Awesome clips. You've got Gates, who is, I got to say, perfect for the narration of this. Her her inflection and her knowledge of the universe is, is awesome. I love hearing her voice on the show. But you got the clips. You've got interviews. As a director, how in the world do you put that all together in a way that works so that it's as entertaining as this is while still giving a lot of detail in a documentary series? So... My, my my first answer is going to sound so cliche, and I apologize in advance, but I swear to you, it's the truth. Um, you, you, you can't do a podcast with me and have 50 people here. I get it. But it's not just me. It's, it's over a dozen mm-hmm. people. I'm one of those people. Um, you know, I'm not going to downplay my part. I, I have a part to play, and I do my best to play it. But I mean, we have a a team of researchers that is second to none. We have a team of editors that's second to none. And the other thing I have to say is for an independent production company, we're very lucky. I have been working with the same team for uh, over five years straight. So when we get a green light, like we know what to do. That's the first thing. The Mm -hmm. second thing is... uh, we're all geeks. So one of the problems we had six, seven years ago was, you know, you'd have two or three geeks and then everybody else, for lack of a better term, would be normal people. (laughs) Now, I I would say 80 to 85% of the company are some degree of geeks. And I don't know if I should be proud of this or embarrassed, but (laughs) we now routinely have people join the company that have never seen Star Trek, never seen Star Wars, never even bought a toy. And like six months later, they got a shelf full of toys. Like, <laughs> I, oh, I just watched Star Trek 2. I understand all those weird comments you make in staff meetings now. Like, that's that does tend to happen. But 5% of the people stay normal. <laughs> that That's pretty amazing to me. I mean, it's great that they're discovering the franchise. Um, but weird that they haven't up until this point, because I mean, Star Trek has always been part of the cultural zeitgeist pretty much as long as the three of us have been alive, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so now that we're 55 years in, yeah, what was it that made you, aside from your fandom, which is obvious in, in talking to you and looking at the, the, the wall of, of items behind you, what was it that, you know, as a, as a producer, as a businessman that made you decide, you know what, the time is right to do a Star Trek docu-series now. So two things happened. Uh, one is, um, I was trying to find a way to say this diplomatically. <laughs> I, I don't think I've succeeded. But um, so before Toys That Made Us, I would do research, find out what the market wanted, develop shows based on what the market wanted, sell the market those shows 
And this may be shocking to you now that you've heard my creative process at that time. Uh, we never had a single show go two seasons, not one. Right. Then simultaneous with that lovely process, um, I was trying to sell this show called The Toys That Made Us for seven years. Wow. I got really lucky and sold it to Netflix. The show came out. And first of all, we have not made a show since Toys That Made Us that has not gotten at least a second season. We have shows now, knock on wood, we have shows now in their fourth and fifth seasons. And call me crazy, but I learned an amazing lesson, which is apparently if the director and or producer gives a shit about what they're making, it <laughs> tends to come out better. So, once I came to that very profound conclusion, I hope people are taking notes. Um, I basically said, fuck it. I'm just going to try and sell my what I'm passionate about. Also known as my hobbies. So that's the that's exhibit A. Definitely. Exhibit B, something that apparently everybody in our society cares about but me is every five years, people seem to get excited about things. So when we heard that uh, there was another anniversary for that thing called Star Trek, I own a production company. It, it was, well, why don't we make it? And we did. That's well, pretty this, awesome. <laughs> you've had the success. It really is that simple. It's amazing that it's that simple and you've had the success of the other shows. And it's kind of interesting when you were telling that you tried to sell the toys that made us for seven years. The first thing I thought of was that's very similar to what Gene went through when he was trying to sell his pilot back in the 60s and Desilu finally picked it up. It's kind of interesting, the comparison that's there. I, uh, I, I sure as hell never thought of that before. <laughs> the day I start comparing myself to Gene Roddenberry, please, please, please hire an assassin. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I, I also find interesting in, in, in what's going on with these shows is, like I said, I don't even know if it was before we started recording or, or after we started recording. We've all been Star Trek fans our whole life. Think we know so much about Star Trek. One of the things that I love so much about just the first two episodes that I've seen so far is I've learned so much about the history of the show, the behind the scenes stuff that I never knew before. And I think that's what really makes people who are fans of this, of this series grab on to this documentary series, because we're learning stuff that I Steve, the Vulcan <laughs> never ever heard of that before. And I thought that was one of the highlights of episode two. That was just something that was amazing. I just, I love the detail and, and, and I got to ask again, I'm sure your incredible research team had a lot to do with this. How much stuff did you learn about Star Trek that we're not going to see in the series because you had so much that you were putting into it already? Well, uh, two answers, uh, quite a bit and not and nothing. Quite a bit, because you're absolutely right. We had to cut a lot of stuff out, mm -hmm. but nothing because uh, we're going to I hope you're sitting down. Uh, we're going to put out a Blu-ray. And uh, the Blu-ray is going to have all the stuff we we couldn't fit in, unfortunately. It, it's going to be a big Blu-ray. Awesome. That's nice. awesome. That's great news. That's an early Christmas present. And I don't care when it comes out. <laughs> well, I hope you're getting that for yourself because I'm not buying it for you. <laughs> Just don't drop it. Just don't drop it. Oh, right. man. Oh. 
but, uh, anybody just hang on to the outtake later on in the show son of a reference but, um, but uh it, it will not be this christmas uh it will be next christmas awesome that's great i think one of the things that surprised me the most about episode one was that it it was pretty much uh, a, a timeline in history of lucille lucille ball's involvement in getting star trek off the ground and the critical role that she played um I I read some comments online that people were surprised it wasn't more about TOS itself, but I, was it important for you to establish that tone with episode one with the fact that Star Trek wouldn't have happened at all without Lucy? Yeah, I, I had a, a this is a great question. I, I, I had a couple goals. So um, I'm trying to figure out what goal, what order to put this in. Yeah, I guess I'll start with Lucille. So I don't know if with you being Trekkies, I don't know if you noticed this either. But something I've noticed since I was in junior high school or even younger, the books about the making of the original series and Star Trek in general, I have found to be exponentially more forthright about the cons, not K-A-H-N. I find that the documentaries are much more light. And in some ways, if you compare them to one another, there's a lot of redundancies. So one of the things that I noticed as a kid and my whole life reading books about Star Trek was there ain't no Star Trek without Lucille Ball. Yeah. And as much as Gene Roddenberry absolutely is the father of Star Trek, Lucille Ball is absolutely the mother of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And there's an expression I heard when I was very young, which I love. It's one of my favorite expressions. Um, Creativity without implementation is negligence. And Gene was the creative, but there's no Kirk. There's no Spock. There's no Uhura. There's no McCoy. There's no Enterprise without Lucille Ball pulling out her checkbook. Right. But that was the first thing. The second thing is, I'm embarrassed to bring this up, but remember that part of the story where I told you before Toys That Made Us, we did a lot of stuff that uh, maybe I'm not as proud of? Sure. So we made a show for History Channel called The 50th Anniversary of Star Trek. And for a variety of reasons that are entirely my fault, none of it's history's fault, I'm not happy with how it came out. One of the things that made me the most unhappy was I had opened the episode with one of my favorite devices, I, the Star Trek three little blue square getting bigger yep. and bigger mm-hmm. of Lucille Ball uh, with the famous shot of her squishing the grapes in the barrel. Yep. For a variety of reasons, I was forced to take it out. And that bothered me a lot. Cut to the Star Trek episode of Toys That Made Us. I did my best. If you watch it again, you'll see I got that Lucille Ball shit in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it was an episode about toys. So I really couldn't do what I wanted to do since junior high school, if not younger. And that was to quote uh, Quantum Leap to make right where once went wrong. And that is giving Lucille Ball the credit she deserves for Star Trek existing. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was, 
within reason, I'm 99% sure I have seen every single documentary ever made about Star Trek. And I was very cognizant of making a show that would work for people like the three of us, but also, I don't know about you guys, but my wife isn't into any of this shit, to put it mildly. And uh, you're nodding, but you said your wife likes Star Wars. So she does. Already- She's not a Star Trek fan, uh, yeah, which is my wife, my wife ain't into any of it. She's, <laughs> the closest we have in common is Gilmore Girls. So which I love, by the way. It's a great show. There's no spaceships. Yeah. Anyway, so at least I think. So I always try to make shows for people like us, but also for my wife. Because I don't want her bored. I don't want her leaving the room while she, and it's not just about me. It's not about me at all, actually. Right. It's about the public. I want people, my favorite thing that I ever hear is people saying to me, my wife never would watch Die Hard. But then I showed her your movies that made us episode. And then Mm -hmm. she watched Die Hard with me. My husband never wanted to see Dirty Dancing. My wife hated He-Man. Like, so I always try to make a show for people like us where there's information that'll blow your mind, but that information will not bore people like my wife. And that's, that's awesome. it's, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of editing, but that's how we make the show. And my favorite example is, the toys that made us episode about Star Wars toys. There's another Star Wars toys episode that came out years before ours called Plastic Galaxy. Yep. I don't think our movie's better than Brian Stillman's. I don't think Brian's is better than mine. I think the ultimate experience to understand Star Wars toys is you watch both of them. There you go. And that's what the center seat is. You'll notice we didn't talk about Nichelle Nichols and the interracial kiss. Like we like there's all this stuff. I also didn't get into a lot of stuff that I think is bullshit. Like the fans, like the whole letter writing thing. Mm -hmm. Like, like I just tried to tell an original story in a very crowded marketplace of Star Trek documentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. And here's the payoff on your use case. So my wife, as we've established, is a Star Wars fan, which has really only happened within the last couple of years and doesn't dislike Star Trek, but she 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 wouldn't necessarily turn it on if it were on. And I'm watching episode two of The Center Seat today. And of course, it's about the animated series. And at one point, she's looking at me like, they told what kind of stories to kid on kids on Saturday morning? I said, um, yeah. Yes. So they talked about um, war. Yeah. They talked about murder. They talked about euthanizing a pet. They That's talked exactly. about the devil. And she was like, really? She was, she was totally gobsmacked. You, you hit the nail on the head. And, we try to find these nuggets. We call them twofers. And these nuggets, they work for the three of us but they work for people that are not into Star Trek or whatever we're covering. So you, you literally just hit the nail. I've never seen that before. That is a, a very specific example of a twofer. And, and, and she was, she was really stunned. And then I, I wish I'd had a camera at the look on her face when they talked about, you know, the, the say lot having to be put down. She looked about as horrified as a human being could be. <laughs> She's like <laughs> on a Saturday morning. <laughs> 
that's how it is. It is. It's funny. We get a lot of credit, which I'm very appreciative for. Don't get me wrong. But we get a lot of credit for the humor in our shows. And that's great. I'm not I'm not shying away from that. Thank you for anyone who compliments us about that. But we try to put as much pathos into every episode as we do humor. So it we really I know this might sound manipulative or fucked up, but we really try to make the audience cry at least once and usually towards the end of an episode mm-hmm. on everything we do. Sometimes we succeed. Sometimes we don't. But we try because I'm a big believer that I don't think drama works without comedy and I don't think comedy works without drama. The best example is seven. There's a lot of comedy in seven. There is. A lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and some of the best comedies have a fair amount of drama. So we're always trying to do both. Well, and I think that's why the comedy and tragedy masks are always together. Yes. Alone, they don't look right. Yes. Um, and I think that these are some of the things that that your series, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, as things that your series do very well and, and why they are as entertaining as they are. Um, when, <laughs> when you're constructing a series that's only 10 episodes long, um, how how painful is it to to decide what actually makes it? You said there's going to be a lot of stuff on the Blu-ray, but I mean, um, it, it's got to be a pretty painstaking process to narrow down 10 hours. It, it was and it wasn't. Like, I knew one of my original ideas was Gene and Lucille turn the lights on. Rick Berman turns the lights off. So, which was cool, because when I interviewed Rick Berman, I said to him, I go, what was the metaphorical turning the lights off moment for you and Star Trek of your era? And he goes, there was nothing metaphorical about it. I, I literally turned the lights off in the soundstage. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess Lucille and Gene were metaphorical. But like, so I knew I wasn't going to do the JJ movies. I knew <laughs> I knew I sure as hell wasn't going to be doing Discovery and all the other stuff. Um my only regret, I wish we could have done the next gen movies. And I kind of wish we could have done the first JJ film. I love his first movie. Yeah. Love. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Um, I love it. I also kind of love Lower Decks, but mm-hmm. be kind of a weird series to jump from 2009 to Lower Decks and uh, <laughs> every interview. Hey, what a. What happened to all the stuff and be like that was no comment. <laughs> I see a companion series, the Star Trek series that made us. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Nice. Wow. You're gonna get you're gonna get royalties, Bill. <laughs> so so Brian, let me ask you a question. So when when you're doing when when we see all of these interviews, are you are you there conducting the interviews or are they other people? That's my first question. I I do it depends on the series. Mm-hmm. It also depends if there's a, a worldwide uh, global crisis going yes. on while we're shooting or not. I would say for this one, I probably did about 65, 70%. Okay. Were you there for uh, our good friend, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek's interviews, or was that somebody else? I was there for part of it, but not all of it. Ian Romaine, uh, who is the showrunner, he yep. did the majority of that interview. And were you able to get everything you needed or is there going to be about 700 hours of Larry talk that you're not going to be able to put in the series? Uh, oh, we man. always love to give Larry a hard time. You, 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 you apparently really do know Larry. We do. Um, we do. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, he's in it a fair amount, to put it mildly. He's awesome. He's so great. He really is. I mean, he really is. We, we've heard some some rumblings and some rumors uh, online that um, you may have had probably one of the most incredible conversations of your life with Kirstie Alley. I mean, it was just mind blowing because, as I'm sure you know, she doesn't talk about Star Trek very often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is funny. I mean, I've probably interviewed over a thousand people in my career. So when you, you start to see patterns. One percent of the people you interview don't give a fuck like they see that thing next to you that's recording everything they say yep. and do and they don't care. So Kirsty was one of them. I mean, she said she answered every question with ruthless honesty. I would say to her credit, a lot of it didn't make her look great. But sure. A, it's 40 years ago. B, you know, it 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 is what it is. It's the mm-hmm. truth. And but the thing that really blew my mind was, you know, she she answered a lot of questions that had me look at the movie differently. Like it was just very like, you know, like she told me that she came to L.A. to she was inspired to be an actress because of Vivian Lee. And. She kind of admitted that even though for 40 years uh, she's been saying she was a Trekkie before she got to L.A., mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate that is, <laughs> because it wasn't until she was like on set did she understand a Vulcan it may be at literally the antithesis of what uh, uh, Vivian Lee is. So she told me that all throughout the shoot, she was trying to be more glamorous while they were shooting the movie. And I said to her, I go, Kirsty, I, what does that even mean? Like, how, how did you do that? Like, I, like, I don't even understand that. And she's like, Brian, you said you'd seen the movie 300 times. You never noticed when you first fought, saw Savick, she got a bun on her head, no makeup, no eyeliner, nothing. The last time you see Savick, her hair's down. She got highlights, mascara, <laughs> her, her eyebrows a bit like, you never noticed that? I go, no, I didn't. She go, you never noticed the scene in an elevator where I'm wearing like a bathrobe? Yeah. How many other bathrobes have you seen in Star Trek? I'm like, one. Yeah, with one exception, I, I really, that wasn't even really a bathrobe. It was like a karate outfit or something. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> like, and it was like, I just never noticed that before. Yeah, she wearing a fucking bathrobe in the turbo lift. And her hair down. Yeah. <laughs> she changed her hair? I hadn't noticed. By the way, I quote that. I mean, conservatively once a week, my whole life, are you wearing your hair differently? And there's hundreds of people, I guarantee you, who are like, yeah, I remember when Brian had a stroke one day. And, uh, <laughs> do do you smell burnt true. toast, Brian? Yeah, exactly. Like It's one of my most bizarre favorite lines in that movie, of which I quote morning, noon, and night. But it's funny. A lot of people have glommed on to the Kirstie Alley interview. The, the, the Nicholas Meyer interview, in my opinion, was arguably the craziest interview of my entire career. Really? Hmm. The interview was great. I mean, I'm, the interview was great. That, that guy, I mean, has to be one of the smartest people I've ever met. But that's neither here nor there. At the end of the episode, I mean, I've played it cool for, you know, two and a half hours. It's cool. 
the interview's over. We're starting to wrap up. And I, I said to him, I go, uh, I go, you know, Nicholas Meyer, I, I, I got to tell you, it's literally in my will that on my tombstone, it will say, you know, loved his wife, loved his kids. And I don't believe in the no win scenario. And I said that, and I, then I started to explain it. And I said, and that's really true. I mean, that's yeah. literally in my will. And I started to explain to him, I'm going to try not to get emotional, but I, I literally tried to explain to him, I would have no career. I don't think I'd be married. I, I would have nothing in my life without that theory. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. The amount of times I didn't want to get out of bed, the amount of times I'd had six months in a row of no good news, the only thing that kept me going was that quote. And I, I didn't just start tearing up. I started crying. I mean, I am crying. And I am looking down at my notes. I, my tears are falling on my notebook. I'm really getting embarrassed. And I look up. And I'm not sure if this was good or bad, though I took it as good. Guess who else is crying? Wow. He is sitting and he is also not tearing up. He is also, we were both bawling. Wow. So we're sitting there in front of the whole crew, crying our eyes out. I sheepishly say goodbye. I kind of have my head down as I'm walking out of the studio, but I look up. I would say at least a third of the crew was crying. I mean, it was. I mean, to say it was the like probably the most emotional interview of my life would be an understatement. It, it's so amazing that you've had that you have this feeling, Brian, because I'm going to tell you a quick story and it, it relates with me. You, you've heard people tell stories of how Star Trek saved their life and what it means to them. And you have that incredible um, feeling in your heart about about that line. And you were able to tell him. I had a gun in my mouth in 1999. I was about to commit suicide, 99, 2000. And if it wasn't for an episode of Deep Space Nine that was playing on my TV that night when I was doing, literally doing it, I would have been, I would have killed myself. So Star Trek has literally saved me. So the passion that I have, and I can hear the passion in your voice when you're talking about just that. Well, you're, you're making Nicholas. me tear up now too. No, 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 I don't want to do that. No, absolutely not. But listening to you, I'm just like, oh my God, it's just so amazing that we have, we have so many people that have this connection about their passion for why they love this series so much. It literally okay, saved my on, life. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on here a second, Dan. If, if this is something to do with fucking power rates. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Actually, first of all, thank, I'm glad you didn't kill yourself. That's fucked up. So thank you. Thank you for not doing that. But I got to ask, what episode was it? <laughs> It was the episode with Tosk in season one. Um, and when O'Brien, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an unbelievable episode, captive pursuit. And, and the scene that was playing that night when I literally had the, the hammer pulled and everything, O'Brien was willing to give up everything for this stranger because of what he believed in. And that made me stop. And it made me stop. And, and at that moment, my life started over again. So, I, and I finally got to be able to thank Colmini and Scott McDonald at conventions over the last couple of years. So having that conversation with Nick Meyer for you, 
I can relate to because I was able to have similar conversations with with those two guys who who literally saved my life. It's 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 great to be able to have those type of stories to 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 hold on to. If you get a chance, make sure you thank the writers too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if not for those for the for the words that that these actors, I, I think actually Colm mentioned that to me when we had our discussion. We were able to meet backstage at the convention because he caught wind of what was going on. Um, and if it, he just he just does what the people put on paper, and so that it's 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 amazing. I, I loved listening to that story uh, from you just now, and 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 hearing the reaction from Nick and the and the rest of the people there with you is re- is really special to me. I really think that's you, great. You just show, uh, shared a pretty special story too, man. Thank you. I always like to to let the folks know that have been involved in Star Trek that we have on as guests why it's such a passionate thing for me. I've been a fan since I was a kid, but that time frame in 99 and 2000 is what really upped the game for me so to speak and my love for the for the genre. Um and speaking of that, this is TNG related, but I wanted to get to the next question that I had for you and that's Gates. I talked about it very briefly when when we started talking how easy or how difficult was it to decide on having Gates as the narrator? And was she open to it? Was she really gung ho for it right away? Or, or what was that whole thing like to have her uh, become the voice for this series? Yeah, it, it was very difficult, but that, that, that was on me, not her. Um, so I got to set the table a little bit. Um, so my oldest best friend in LA, the aforementioned uh, showrunner of, of center seat, Ian Romaine, Before he became a producer, he was an agent and he represented Gates. So when we started our podcast arm, I asked him if he would introduce me to Gates because I wanted in our launch shows that we were doing when we were building our network, which we're still building, but um, I I wanted a Star Trek podcast. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to Gates uh, through Ian. We did a deal. Everything worked out great. And it was great, in my opinion. And I I can tell you this with no ego, because other than doing the deal with her, I had absolutely nothing to do with her show. She edits it herself. She books it herself. So I can say this devoid of ego. I think it's one of the best Star Trek podcasts of all time. It's fantastic. So, and I got to know her. So I called her up one day and I told her about Center Seat. And I basically said to her, I go, listen, I produced a lot of shows, but I've never had a producer that was actually there for the subject that the show is covering. Would you have any interest in being an executive producer? It was kind of funny because she was like, well, how do you envision the show? And I said, it's like a Ken Burns deep dive into Star Trek. When I first heard Ken Burns was doing jazz for 20 episodes, I'm like, how the fuck can you talk about jazz for 20 hours? (laughs) And then when it was over, I was like, I wish it was 40 hours. Yeah, right. So she's like, I want to do it, but you got to talk to my agent. So I call her agent. First thing he says to me, Brian, how did you get Ken Burns to direct your show about Star Trek? I didn't even know he did anything other than his own shows. And I'm like, miscommunication. Uh, I'm directing this. Ken Burns is not directing this. (laughs) Once we worked through that, it was great. And we did the deal. But here's the interesting thing. In my job, 
the only thing I dislike doing, and I fucking hate it, is picking the narrator for these shows. Mm. It's the worst thing in the world because everybody's always unhappy. Not everybody, but right. Like, just the like you you're always gonna get if 20% don't like it, I consider that good. Yeah. And that's a huge percentage. Yeah. And I just kept procrastinating and procrastinating. And then my head of production, Cisco Henson, said to me, uh, if we don't start recording next week, uh, we going to miss these deadlines. And uh, the way our contracts work, I can tell you right now, it's a big deal to miss deadlines. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big deal. So I just was like, because I had been thinking about Gates because I really loved her actual voice. Yep. And I knew how cool she was. So I called Gates. She said yes instantly, but of course, call my agent. We worked out the deal in one or two calls, and the rest was history. That's so amazing. We had Gates on to promote Investigates when it first came out, and she instantly sang your praises. Um, we see now in meeting that was completely off base. Um, <laughs> Listen, no. from, from any actor's point of view, <laughs> uh, I deserve that. From any actor's point of view, I'm the greatest producer of all time. I left I her the fuck alone. I believe that. I did everything she wanted. I left her alone. But here's the interesting part of the story. I didn't leave her alone because she's Gates McFadden. I didn't leave her alone because she's one seventh of the crew I grew up with. Right. I left her alone because she did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And anything I said would have either been not helpful or unhelpful. So I just stayed out of her way and I supported her, which yeah. is what I think a producer should do. I, that's really refreshing because you hear all these horror stories coming out of, of creative endeavors and how people micromanage to the nth degree. And honestly, Dan and I work in technology and, and we kind of operate and thrive under the same environment when people let us do what we're supposed to do because we're good at it. Um, it, it happens pretty much when they hope it happens. And when there is undue influence from, from people, it, that timeline keeps getting extended. It's, uh, it's basic math almost. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about investigates. We've talked about the center seat. Um, we should also talk about the podcast dedicated to the center seat, who, by the way, is co-hosted by two of our favorite people on the planet, the Tenudos, John and Mary Jo, dear, yeah. dear, sweet people and amazing Star Trek fans. They've been to our party in Vegas a couple of times during the convention, uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Feel free to come to that next I, year. I was going to go this year for the first time ever. And Us too. That's I was all, every, all my friends, including Gates, bailed. Yeah. So I was like, eh, maybe not this year. So uh, for people who haven't yet downloaded the podcast, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because obviously it's a companion to the, to the series. Yeah, I mean, what we're trying to do and... At some point, someone will tell me if we're succeeding or failing. But what we're trying to do is get into all the stuff we didn't have time to do in the episode. I'm very deliberately not. There's a very famous show that I love that as an after show, all they do is talk about the fucking show. Yep. And I'm like, you, you know, weirdly enough, I saw the show. <laughs> so I don't need to listen to you tell me about what I already saw. So we're we're just trying to add new information to people that like the show. That's it. It's that simple. And and have a good time doing it. 
And, and John and Mary Jo are, are two of the most, well, one, they're insanely knowledgeable. Um, I mean, you know, they appear in, in documentaries all over the place. They, they've been in, in toys. They've been in, I think, in movies uh, that made us as well. Um, but I mean, we absolutely yeah. love them. And you couldn't have picked two better yeah. ambassadors of Star Trek for that podcast, man. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I'm very biased, but I do agree. And uh, to do a little sneaky, sneaky right now, if you don't mind, we have absolutely. something else going on with them uh, that we'll be announcing soon. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that as well. That's that is awesome. fantastic. By the way, you, I don't know it. if you heard the podcast or not, but uh, did you hear how we met? I haven't, I, I haven't downloaded on my phone. I haven't been able to listen to it yet because I don't commute anymore. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my my first uh, my first experience with Mr. Tenuto was him threatening to sue me. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. Way, not that it bothered me at all, but I uh, it was on this day called what do they call that day? Oh yeah, Christmas. Oh <laughs> on Jesus! Christmas, on Christmas morning, I woke up to an email from Mr. Tenuto um, telling me the reason he wanted to sue me was. Um, in the Star Wars episode, Star Trek episode of Toys, he has we, we he was making fun of some of the rack toy, the Star Trek rack toys, and yep. he was making fun of there's a there's a Star Trek toy, it's like a it's like a an army guy with a parachute. Yep, and they just like made the army guy blue and put the Star Trek uh, logo on it and Kirk yep. and Spock, and in the show, Belomo says. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's never been a a, a, a parachute in uh, in Star Trek, and I fully admit this was me trying to be funny, if maybe a dick. But then we cut to the shot from 2009 of all three of them parachuting <laughs> down to the planet, and the VO says, "And I have never done this before since. We never ever comment on the people." <laughs> the VO said. I guess John never saw 2009. <laughs> oh man. He sent me the seat. Listen, he had every right to be pissed. <laughs> he sent this email being like, you know, I direct, a, I, I teach a class entirely based on everybody believing in my knowledge of Star Trek. <laughs> so not only did we work it out, but that was the beginning of, I think if that had not happened, we would have just been acquaintances. Mm, sure. Because that happened, we became friends. That's amazing. It's kind of like great. fucking up a friend of your shit before you know each other in the office. <laughs> Damn it, Brian. <laughs> I, I, I love you. <laughs> this is this just means that now that we're getting shit like this, that at some point we're going to wind up posting something for Nacelle. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> and I'll say I walked into that one. <laughs> it did. That's okay. That's all right. I'm up for it. So last question, Brian, and, and, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, cause it could be a spoiler. So I'll leave it to you. Do you have a favorite moment in this 10 episode series that you can share with us? Or is it something that you want us to see that has not occurred yet? You know, it's a hard question to answer. Again, it's a very cliched answer. But the problem is, I mean, I have so many moments. Mm -hmm. um, I, so many moments. I, and it's also funny. The other problem is when you produce shows like this, sometimes you forget. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's not just me. This happens to you. Sometimes you forget what actually made the show. It's a lot of stuff. Um 
I mean, I had a conversation with um, with David Livingston. That's the generations mm-hmm. director, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with him. Um, I'll tell you, it's a weird thing. Curious to even see your reaction. Uh, I have never, ever, once, and again, I just want to remind everyone, this is not in the show. I have never once watched Generations. You're going to, I'm so curious to see your reaction to this. And not, not just cried, but bawled my eyes out when Jordy starts pumping that pump on the wall to get the hatch to close. And then he said, I'm literally getting emotional right now. He hits the the cam badge and says, that's it. We're all out. Hmm. I have never not, I'm tearing up right now, even talking about it. Yeah. Wow. I said to him, why? Like, because I've never understood it about myself. What is it about that? Even when the Enterprise, I, I even think when Picard looks through the, the top window and sees the, the, I don't even know that made me cry. So I'm like, why has it always made me cry? And I'm, it's crazy what he said. What he said was, because that's the actual death of the Enterprise. Yeah. And if you think, and that's all he said. So I'm extrap. Oh, I thought of another. I thought of another. Oh my God. I thought of another, but I'll finish this one first. Cause that would be weird otherwise. Um, but it's kind of the opposite of this story where I had a much more emotional thought and then it turned out to just be a simple, stupid thing that was equally brilliant. But think about it. How long had Star Trek been on when Generations come out? About eight years? Yeah, seven. Yeah, the eighth year. Yeah. Yeah. For eight years, you never had to manually, like the Enterprise was literally holding its shit together long mm-hmm. enough for the saucer section to get away almost Yep. to protect 10,000 people. Right. And it was so sick and so dying. It couldn't even close a hatch. Wow. Like, and it was like being in Star Trek therapy where like now when I see that, I understand why it makes me cry. So that's exhibit A. Wow. I still blame Deanna for being behind the wheel, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, another moment that always makes me tear up is after the crash. You remember Data's holding her against the wall? Yeah. She just, uh, again, it's like, I don't know. It's so weird getting emotional about this stupid show, but like she just gives him a look like I'm okay. Go Mm -hmm. check on everyone else. Right. It's just such, and it really shows you the power of the casting. Absolutely. That these two actors, just by giving each other a look, can make a grown-ass man tear up. I'll tell you the other story, because that's not a, it's not going to make me cry. So I'm interviewing uh, Nicholas Meyer, and I say to him, I'm so glad I remembered this. I said to him, I go, so the scene where Kirk says battle stations and you cut to this probably the greatest shot ever of the best enterprise ever built, mm-hmm. barely moving at impulse mm-hmm. in front of the moon, 
to get away from the Reliant. And then it cuts to this awesome shot where they're pulling up the floorboards, putting in the, the photon torpedoes are laying down. And I said to him, I go, I thought that scene was brilliant because it was the first time you really understood the implications that this ship that was sent out to be as far away from Earth as possible for five years, it's thin metal. It's such a dangerous occupation, but its primary mission, of course, is to seek out new worlds and civilizations. And you finally showed that moment where the civilian aspect of the ship is ending and the military aspect of the ship is beginning. Mm. And he just looks at me and he's like, you know, man, I was just doing an homage to pirate films. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, because that, because that didn't even dawn on me. Oh like, man. It's like, I'm not even sure I understood Star Trek well enough at the time. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, he's like, you know, in pirate movies, it's like they push the cannon into the porthole. <laughs> like that's what that was. Wow. That's it's, amazing. It's, it, it, but to, but to get, but I think that's where we're at now, Brian. Is we're at the point with Star Trek where there is so much, and there is so much that we digest and and scrutinize and and get the level of detail and and praise that when these things happened back in the day when it was making nobody ever thought of some of those things. But the way that you put it makes perfect sense. It also makes perfect sense that they was just you know homage to pirates, but it, it works on both levels. But that's the beauty of a well-made film or yeah. TV show yeah. where it gives you a point of view, but it allows you to use your imagination to engulf that point of view. Right. Until 35 years later when the guy who did it is like, nah, it was just some fucking cannons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It has been so much fun talking to you about this, Brian, all of your love of Star Trek, the incredible work that you've done, not just before the series, but all the series you've done in the past. Folks, it's the center seat, 55 years of Star Trek. Check it out on the History Channel. Get the streaming service so that you can watch the final six episodes. It's going to be worth it. I can guarantee you, man, we're going to have you on this podcast again because this was a lot of fun. Thank You're you very so, kind. so much. I had a lot of fun, too. So thank you both very much. Well, Dan, the first four episodes of The Center Seat have been released, and of course, mm -hmm. the remaining six are now on History Vault. You know, uh, this is the kind of thing, you know, Brian and the team at the Nacelle Company have nothing to do with the decision to split right. the episodes up onto the different platforms. So um, if you want to watch the remaining six, uh, you know, History Vault is available now. There's a one-week free trial, and I think it's like $5.99 a month after that. Um, but, uh, based on the first four episodes, I have to say, I'm pretty excited to see the rest of it. I really am too. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, he's got one of the coolest jobs ever. 
it's obvious yeah. from his the way that he talks, his passion for Star Trek. It's obvious just by seeing what was behind him on that shelf, and we couldn't even see all the other stuff that he had. He loves Star Trek, and he gets to put his passion into it. And uh, like you said, the first episodes have been fantastic. I'm going to get History Vault to watch the rest of it just because I, I want to see how he completes this. And and for all of his other projects that he's done, um, you know that you're going to get a documentary that is worth watching more than just once, in my opinion, because it's that good. I have to agree with you. So, you know, I watched the episode on the movies and how the movies were getting started. Mm -hmm. And it focused pretty heavily on Star Trek, the motion picture. And while I knew some aspects of that story, I did not know them all. And it presented them in a way that was not only entertaining, but it made me drop my jaw several times. You know, I think that this story I've always thought of is written by Harold Livingston, and he actually didn't write the ending. Um, because he had a hard time coming up with it, which is amazing to find out after all this time, after 40 years. That's one of the things that I love so much about about this documentary series, and we talked about it. You know, they make jokes on, on Big Bang Theory and other shows that, you know, you watch a documentary, it's going to be boring. It's just a guy narrating, and you get to see some pictures and a little video clips. This is entertaining, uh, uh, an, an entertaining documentary series. And like you said, you We've been Star Trek fans for close to 50 years, and we're learning new things with every one of these episodes. And I think that's a key, especially for Star Trek fans. Agreed. Well, you know, Dan, another thing that's key for Star Trek fans. Oh, well, first, by the way, uh, thank you sincerely to Brian for spending yes. the time with us. We genuinely appreciate it. We can't wait to see the rest of the series. And uh, by the way, yeah, head on out to HistoryVault.com and, and check out the rest of the show because we guarantee you're going to enjoy it and you will learn something. But one of the things that we love for, about Star Trek fans is the ability to send feedback. Mm-hmm. And it's not very often that we get to play voicemails here on the show. We've talked about it plenty. I mean, hell, even Mission Log has spawned up a separate podcast just so they can respond to voicemails, practically. Um, But we have one this week from our dear, dear friend, Robert Reyes, whom we miss very much. Yes. Uh, Let's listen to it, and then we'll get some reactions. Absolutely. Hi, this is Robert, and I'm still not wearing a red sweater. So I can't believe I'm actually doing this, but I I can't believe that these words are going to come out of my mouth so Please forgive me, Donnie Moore. May he rest in peace, even though he should have pitched away in Game 5. Bill, you're wrong. That does sound weird, doesn't it? Fark sets? I mean, I didn't see that coming. That was so outside of the box for Dan. I mean, I'm sorry, Bill, but you're wrong on this one. God, that sounds weird. Okay, well, hopefully someday I'll get to hear this recording on the podcast since I don't know if anyone's actually checking me. Okay, well, see you later. Bye. Best voicemail ever. No. <laughs> no. Well, see, I knew that you would take that away from it because what he said was he can't believe he has to say this. Bill is wrong, meaning Bill is right every other time. But no, 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 no. Yeah, no, that's voice- exactly what that's. No, 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 I'm just saying best voicemail ever because he liked the Farkism. I don't give a damn what you said. Who cares? I don't even listen to you half the yeah, time. Yeah, but he's saying all the other ones suck. <laughs> See, I knew you were going to say that. I tried to work my way out of it, but I couldn't. That's okay. That's well, all right. It, but it's just good to hear from Rob. Well, that's true. And <laughs> I, I, Robert, put the damn sweater on. Um, 
And so he he commended you for thinking outside the box. And I'd like mm. to to state for the record that while it may have been a little outside the box, the box did not have a very high clearance. You I didn't think it was have still to work shut. You didn't have to work that hard to get out of it. <laughs> well, I just poked <laughs> holes through it so I could breathe, and it kind of went out that way. It's kind of yeah. like the episode of The Office where Dwight hides himself in a box in the warehouse to listen to a conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Robert, thank, thank you so much for the voicemail. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Robert, very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, Dan, don't get cocky. <laughs> but that whole voicemail was about a Farkism you did for Five Year Mission. Of course, we love Five Year Mission. We're Ew. huge fans of the band. They are every bit of music you hear on the Trek Geeks podcast and on other shows on the Trek Geeks podcast network. Please head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get those CDs in your hands because we are big proponents of physical media. You, that way you own it forever. And you yeah. can pop it in your player whenever, and you don't yeah. have to worry about it being available on a streaming service. It's always there for you. Fiveyearmission.net, get year one, year two, year three, year four, Trouble with Triple, Spock's Brain, and just become huge fans of the band, just like Dan and I are ourselves. It, it's really not hard to become a fan of the band, because all it's you have not. to do is listen to like one song, and then that's it. That's I mean, it. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's easy enough that I could even do it, right? Well, and you did. I did. And so there's the proof right there. Uh, but I got to say, Bill, you know, as we record this episode of Trek Geeks, season four of Star Trek Discovery has begun and people all over the world can now see it. Uh, and we're looking forward to the latest adventures of the good old NCC 1031A. Um, but, you know, as the season started, I couldn't help but think back to an episode from last season. It was a really emotional one, and I'm sure you remember it. Burnham and Adira traveled to the Trill homeworld to try and unlock their past host memories. Remember this one, buddy? Uh, you know, Burnham risks her life to help Adira, uh, and the results were absolutely beautiful, even visually. All those tendrils of color floating through the air, uh, and one of those tendrils was actually the memories of one of the hosts that was a very special musician whose memories perhaps were the most important ones of all. Oh, boy. Uh, they are Adira Tal, and all their hosts are now with them. It's a great episode, buddy. Check it out. Fark Get Me Not. Season 3, Discovery. Fark Get Me Not. Tendrils. Trill. Lots of tendrils. Um, I, I'm really torn here because I want to like it, <laughs> but you wrote it. Oh, Ouch. So that means that I'm, I'm, well, I'm instantly conflicted. Um, I, is there any way that I could get you to just be a little less you? No. When you write I, these? No, it, it's, it just, it all works, man. It, it does it, it though? It, it does. It, it, you can't, you can't lie. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, it just, it, 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 it it's, it's an art really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we should start having Robert comment on these uh, online and give his ratings of each Farkism, but we'll cross that bridge another day. Um, don't forget that you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get all kinds of exclusive perks and raw audio, and, well, you can get these Farkisms in their rarest form, Dan. Oh, we should have like a, okay, I'm not even going to touch it. Yeah, you can get all kinds of shirts and 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 we've got new things coming. We're going to have hats and we're going to have stickers and and of course unedited footage of every recorded episode on the Trek Geeks podcast network is available to you when you join uh, Patreon, which is pretty cool. Uh, but right now we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are just so thankful for their support and they are Vikram Bot, Brad Demag, William Edward M. 
Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hodgins. So gracious, so wonderful. You know, we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented... Jess Fashon, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the particularly pleasant Jude Tatman. You too can become a producer of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, we're going to go back to our episode that we had originally scheduled for today and, um, and talk about an episode of Enterprise that we've been looking forward to. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So next week, we were supposed to do it this week, but we're going to do it next week. It's hard to believe that we are coming up towards the end of 2021, but we're going to continue our celebration of Enterprise 20 next week by finally talking about a season one episode that was really great because one of the things it did was it brought back one of the most beloved Star Trek actors and someone we all miss to this day, and that's Rene Aubergenois. We're going to talk about Oasis all next week. We're going to break the whole thing down the next time we are on Trek Geeks, which is in two weeks, right here on the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. <laughs> I'm going to be so happy when we go back to weekly because it's just so much, you know, it's just habit. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yes, that's in two weeks here <laughs> on the flagship. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please, we want everyone to check out the other podcasts we have here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. There are just so many to choose from now. I mean, I don't know what we were thinking, but we did it and it's awesome. So please find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app or get a link to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek show, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 273 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut. Gobble, gobble. Oh, wait. That's already happened. Yeah, yeah, that's already happened. Um, so, is I don't know. Is, is there no, that's it. Disney related or no, no? Why bother? So I ruined wow. it. You yeah. brought that wheat crap into this. Forget me not. Try that one. Oh uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, are you on vacation yet? Uh, I wish. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at 5yearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
So as you can see behind me, um, unlike your fashionably ensconced wall with all kinds of uh, memorabilia from it looks like uh, maybe all of Star Trek total. I have my wife's Star Wars stuff over my shoulder, uh, which makes me look like I'm not a Trekkie at all. You can't see the shelves over here, which are just laden with Star Trek stuff. <laughs> uh, first of all, I got to tell you why I'm laughing so hard. I, to normal people, I'm the crazy toy guy. <laughs> <laughs> real toy collectors I, i'm kind of a joke but they they because of toys that made us they kind of let me in the club yeah but a lot of my friends make the joke oh have you seen brian's toy collection he's trying to get one of everything <laughs> which is a real for, it's funny but it's a real insult from their point of view i think it's kind of a joke compliment but yeah. By the way, you would not believe what you're not seeing right now. <laughs> I, just just to drive you crazy. <laughs> right over there. That way. Yeah. Um, I have this. Uh, this is audio only, right? It yep. is. Well, to those listening, I got a giant. It's probably 18 inches wide. Um, it's like a glass. It's like a big glass beaker, but it's about 18 inches wide and probably about 18 to two feet tall. It's covered with black kind of, uh, it's not like electrical tape, but it looks like that. And so the top has a ring of electrical tape, the bottom is, and then it has vertical lines too. So it kind of looks like a jail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you have any idea what that is? Not off the top of my head, as you describe no. it. By the way, even if you're staring at it, it would be hard to figure it out. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is what did the transporter effect for all seven seasons of Next Gen, Next Gen. and the pilot of Deep Space Nine. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jealous. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. So that's what is you're not seeing. <laughs> We, we have a podcast on our network called The Divine Treasury, which is all about the collections of fans. And it sounds like they need to talk to you. <laughs> Again, to, to normal people, like I got the best collection ever. Yeah. But like to real collectors, I'm like barely in the club. But um, Bill, I want to go back to something you said earlier about your wife's Star Wars collection. Yeah. It's so funny. I was doing this interview a couple last week. And this guy, I won't say who it was, but it was pretty fancy uh, television network. And uh, the guy goes, um, the guy goes, you know, listen, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm more of a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy. I go, whoa, this interview is over. <laughs> he, dude, he was rattled. He like never recovered. <laughs> he was like, he was like what, 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 what? I'm like, dude, I'm just kidding, you know. <laughs> Star Wars, Star Trek, kind of. He's like, uh, 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 and literally he asked one more question. He was like, well, that's all the time we have, Brian. And I'm like, I know you're full of it because we scheduled half an hour and this has been 11 minutes. And look at the time. You just remind me of that. I wish I could do that every time I get on the uh, microphone with Bill. But You that's shut your story. face, mister. <laughs> We've known each other for 25 years, and this yes. is invariably how it goes. You yes. can say um, that at the 25-year mark. You can say, shut your face. Yes. Yeah, well, I've said far worse. 
He has. He really has. Um, but and, that's okay. <laughs> and he usually says it right back. And that's really why the friendship and why Trek Geeks works. That's right. Um, My oldest friend in the world, we met in 86. So what is that? About 30, 35 years. I'm mad at man. Give or take. Don't, don't embarrass me. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've been friends for, for since 86. He hooked up with a girlfriend of mine. Forgive him. Uh, he got me suspended. We were both <laughs> cheating on the test, but I was the only one who got in trouble. I forgive him. But he ruined the end of the great Gatsby for me one day walking home. I shit you not. I brought that up as recently as this past week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I get I get I get French. That reminds me of a story, Bill. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we met. We worked at an investment company together in tech support. And we met. I had been there a little bit longer than him, like only a month or so. And I had a Franklin Mint, the die cast metal Franklin Mint sculpture on my desk, the one where the saucer section came off and there was a little miniature of the bridge and everything like that. And there was a little shuttlecraft in the back and it's on its little perch and it's at my desk. And I'm on the phone with a customer having a great conversation with a customer and he comes over and, and he picks it up and I can't react because I'm on the phone with a customer and I'm just like, I'm looking at him and he dropped it. Oh, no, no, wait. And the story has changed over the years. The deflected dish went patang and it went flying across my desk. Uh, and I had to, I had to, and there were chips of paint on the bottom, but that's okay. That's all right. It's because now I say that Scotty fixed it. So, you know, it all works go. out okay. I have offered to, to buy him a new one at my nope. own expense for 25 mm-hmm. years. Don't want one. I didn't just pick it up and grab it. I kind of motioned, can I pick this up? And you were like, yes, you can. Oh, I was talking to the customer about You're that. So he was so full of shit. <laughs> By the way, Bill, not not to get into a twenty year argument, but I, I I think the obligation is on you to replace it. But it's not. He tells me he doesn't want it now because now he's got nope. this memory, and I'm like, wow, you were so cheeseball. Yeah, I do. I have the memory, and now it's got it's like a battle damaged enterprise, and it it will forever be like the the only one like that. So I want to keep it as it is. My God, Bill, <laughs> what have you? What done? have I done? <laughs> By the way, Very nice. I, what have I done? This is why I love talking about with, with, with Star Trek focused shows. Can we take a second to talk about a, a documentary I want to make, but I probably won't bother with because no one will watch it. Hmm. It would be called the crazy ass shit. The Franklin, <laughs> the Franklin Mint made yes. and the, the high watermark for all the crazy shit they've ever made. Have you ever seen these batshit crazy I don't even know what to call them, but they're like, they come in like snow globes. Yes. Like there's one for, I have them all over there. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) They're like waves of color. The ship in the middle of it. They're just bonkers. Yeah. Just, they're just like the Star Trek five. One is the God guy (laughs) with the enterprise flying in front of it. Like it's nuts. Nuts. I have the, I have the chess set and I collected some of the ships, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of the ships. I never got into the chess set. I got a whole section of star Trek stuff. That is literally just who granted this license and why well, I got, it wasn't Van Sitters. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, so we got, I got a original series garage door openers. Like, I mean, just, just uh, it's literally an entire I got three different style phaser mouse mice from like <laughs> 1990s. 
Oh my God. That is awesome. I mean, I got, I got the weirdest, weirdest shit. So anyway, <laughs> that's sorry. so cool. I know I'm supposed to be here promoting my own show and I want to, I'm apparently <laughs> talking about anything but that. But it's so nice to talk to Trekkies. Oh, it's okay, because we have an outtake at the end of every episode, which is normally just Dan and I, you know, talking about whatever comes whatever. up. And it, it, it's usually just a, it helps illustrate our relationship. Um, and it's how people get to know us over the years. And this is perfect for the outtake segment. Absolutely. Because people will laugh their ass off. Yep, oh, absolutely. Excellent. Awesome. Well, that, that said. With that, that said. said <clears throat> All right. So what I will do, like I said, uh, uh, Brian, is I'll do a quick intro and then we'll get we'll get right into it and we'll have some fun talking about the center seat. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Coconut. 